You're listening to Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about classic movies. And today, we're talking about something very special. This is something that I don't remember exactly where it premiered. I thought it premiered at South by Southwest, but I think it was actually Berlin. Anyway, shortly after it came out, told me over a less public channel, he was like, wow, this Blackberry movie looks pretty cool. And that, that stuck with me. I was like, all right, let's talk about it whenever it comes up. And uh, it is out now. Today we are talking about the Canadian movie Blackberry, starring Jay Baruchel and Glenn Howerton, and directed by Matt Johnson. Now this is the real story of the Blackberry phone company, originally Research in Motion. As any biopic, it's definitely dramatized quite a bit. But at the same time, all this stuff did really happen, so we weren't overly concerned with spoilers. Uh, there is a spoiler acknowledgement at one point, not really a spoiler warning. Bearing that in mind, uh, I'm really excited for you guys to hear this conversation. I loved this movie. I just found it very difficult to talk about because I my thoughts about this movie are just all over the place. Pierre, I think, found it a little bit easier to talk about. And I guess this is kind of a spoiler. We both like this movie a lot. My one-minute review is if you have the opportunity to see Blackberry in a theater near you, please do. It's so good. So before we get started talking about this, I'm going to play the song that actually opens Blackberry. Like, this is a song that the opening titles play to, or that plays during the opening titles. This is Connection by Elastica. Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about Canadian cinema. Pierre, excluding the movie we're about to talk about, what was the last Canadian movie you saw that you know was uh, Canadian? Nothing. <laughs> I think I've ever <laughs> seen a Canadian movie before. I'm sorry. Maybe like in elementary school, I remember there'd be, or high school, there'd be field trips to watch these French movies sometimes. I think one of those might have been Canadian produced. Probably, because Most like I Quebec has a shockingly thriving cinema industry like french language film is honestly if i didn't speak english and i spoke french i would probably never have watched an english language movie like that's how thriving french cinema is i feel like they almost watch french movies out of spite you know just to be like (laughs) like yeah that's right we have a massive film industry we have lots of customers but yeah Yeah, I, I, i can't remember seeing a yeah, I can't remember. Seeing, I can't remember seeing a Canadian French movie, recently at least. So, but we are talking about a Canadian movie today, produced by the CBC. So probably the most Canadian production you could get in a movie. Although, like for what it's worth, as I was saying to you off camera just before, the CBC produces quite a few movies. Like it, it feels like anything that goes to TIFF that is well reviewed but doesn't get picked up by an extremely large studio goes to CBC. And even some of the stuff that does get picked up by a large studio probably goes to CBC. CBC was almost certainly the most nominated production company at the uh, Canadian Screen Awards this year. But like, I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but like every movie that I've seen that was at the Canadian Screen Awards this year was in some way produced by the CBC. I wonder if it's like difficult to work with the CBC then on distribution. Maybe that's why, because it's like a government organization, right? I mean, maybe, but I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I, I have, I'm always so confused at how film distribution works. Cause like, 
I mean, I don't think CBC is the distributor, right? They're just the produce. They're they're just one of the um, production companies. That's a good question. I actually don't know. I have to look into that. This is where our uh, our friends Rachel and Matthew could really help out. So yeah, they I'll, could, yeah. Maybe I'll reach out to them, or maybe I'll forget, and they'll reach out to me after hearing this episode. Well, I, I feel like it might distributed by CBC because I I've heard it's very hard to find in America, and even in Canada, it's like. It's only at Cineplex places. I couldn't watch this at a landmark place, which I thought was odd. Yeah, it's so rough. I was just saying, this movie, we're going to talk about it, but this movie is, first off, probably my favorite movie of the year. And also, it has performances and like technical aspects better than so many other Oscar movies that I've seen that like... The Oscars are not the are not the singular barometer of success and quality in movies, but it would be really nice for this movie to get like more noticed because I just think people should see this. Like this this movie is like what a good biopic can be. Uh, we're talking about BlackBerry. I don't think we said that. We're talking about BlackBerry no. today. Yes, which is also a Canadian product. So. One of Literally the greatest Canadian success stories of all time. And also one yeah, of the biggest Canadian like, <laughs> failures of all time. Yeah. I was going to say that's like the only... I'd say like Terry Fox is like up there like to be proud to be Canadian. And then Blackberry is like the second one I could think of. But then Blackberry is like not really a thing anymore. So we really only have Terry Fox, honestly. Terry Fox in hockey, maybe. Yeah, you can be really proud of the, of the fact that we had Blackberry in this country. Just like... It, just say like, yeah, we had BlackBerry, and then in uh, at one point, then in two thousand seven, <laughs> no one knows what happened. Crazy. Yeah. Well, no one knows what happened until they watch this movie. I mean, I kind of knew what happened, but <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's cool to see a a, a a Canadian story because I feel like we never, you know, especially in in Hollywood, because this isn't like a Canadian movie, if that makes sense. Like, obviously, it's directed by a Canadian, but it doesn't feel like it's. It feels like he was picked because he's a great director with passion for the product. His name's Matt Johnson. Well, um, Matt Johnson also wrote the script for this. So mm-hmm. while that doesn't have to mean that he picked this story out of nowhere and decided this was his passion project, like clearly he had a little bit of a passion for this story if he wrote the script and directed it and like got the people he did, right? Yeah. Well, I feel like that's maybe something only a Canadian could be because <laughs> like i don't know when i when I, i'm gonna be honest when i see like oh it's produced by cbc it stars jay Baruchel, canada's only canadian star that stayed in canada <laughs> and then and then uh you know it's about canada's only only big business venture essentially that like and everyone knows about i like part of me is like well this is gonna be like some canadian like uh like propaganda trash, you know, like that's the first <laughs> instinct I find, you know, <clears throat> but going like watching this movie, this is like, like this is a Hollywood tier movie, like Jay Baruchel, I'm, I'm probably was picked because he's a Canadian, <laughs> he's a passionate Canadian actor specifically, but he was also like really, really good in his role, you know, mm-hmm. he was amazing in his role. And I, I was telling Jeff this earlier, I've never liked Jay Baruchel in a ro- role. I kind of liked him in Tropic Thunder, but that's it. But this, he was really good, you know? The director's Canadian, but this felt like it was like up, like a Hollywood tier movie, you know? I mean, it was, it was produced by Hollywood people. So like, it's not like this was literally just made by the CBC, but you know, this, this is something I feel like as a Canadian, I can be proud of the product, if that makes sense. And that makes me feel pretty good. Also the, uh, the director is in this movie and he has pretty great chemistry with Jay Baruchel in their scenes together. Yeah. He, uh, he plays the best friend, Doug, who is a co-founder of research in motion, I guess. Yeah. He was also very good. Like he didn't feel like a director that was playing, like he was just there to have fun, you know, like he was actually very good in his role as well. He looked like Patrick Wilson if Patrick Wilson grew up an extremely big nerd, you know, <laughs> I, don't, yeah, I couldn't actually, get that, that out of sense. my face. But yeah. So like uh, it's, it's all around. It's, it's not just a Canadian movie. This is a 
great movie about like Canadians, you know? Yeah, you heard it here first. This is the only Canadian movie starring the only Canadian movie exactly. star about the only Canadian industry. And this I move we'll never get a movie again like this. So if you're Canadian, you better <laughs> the only again, the only other thing I could think of they, they could do is maybe a Terry Fox biopic. Um, which I'm surprised, honestly, that hasn't happened yet. I'm going to be quite It's frank. gotta. It has to exist. Yeah. <clears throat> I feel like that's like a very, like, if you mess that up, you're going to gonna cause a war with Canada or something. So, you know, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, J- Jeff, have you ever owned a, a Blackberry before? I have. I did own a Blackberry. So there's a line in this movie where they're so- sort of seeing the end where they're like, the Blackberry is going to go from the phone that everyone had to the phone that everyone had before they had an iPhone. I'm pretty sure I actually had an iPhone first, then I had a Blackberry. But because like, I went to school in Europe. So while I was over there, I had an iPhone. And then when I came back to the States for one year between high school and university, my mom gave me the phone that she had, which was a Blackberry and it was a Blackberry on her plan. So I did have a Blackberry and I actually had it after I had an iPhone, which is probably not a common experience. Also, I had a BlackBerry in 2013. Like, that, that also feels impressive. like not a common experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've never had a BlackBerry, but I remember, I think my dad had one for a bit. And then I don't think he used it, though. It was just like a BlackBerry. I think he got it from work, but he just didn't like it because of the keyboard, ironically. <laughs> So, but I remember I played around with it a bit just because I like, I thought it was just cool to use a Blackberry, but yeah, I remember like, I still remember like, I, I, what the, I, when the iPhone came out, there was still kind of a, you know, it was a little balance of both because the iPhone was insanely expensive when it came out. Right. And it was mm-hmm. kind of seen, I think it was seen as a little gimmicky at first until it really, I think like with the iPhone 3G is when like it really caught on quickly. Yeah. Cause uh, yeah. And then Blackberry was Blackberries ended up mostly being used by, I guess, businesses because of their their secure servers, right? I would say something like the that. Yeah, Blackberry Messenger until I want to say twenty eleven. Well, I actually I think well they cover this a bit. But I think the storm kind of killed any hype the BlackBerry had, like forever, basically. That was pretty mm-hmm. bad. And yeah, I guess I guess this movie chronicles. It, it's cool. I I I feel like I don't see many because mo- a lot of movies about companies they they focus on these moments, you know, like we just saw air recently and that mm-hmm. was around a very specific moment in Nike's very long tenure. That's still going where they had to create the Michael Jordan shoe, right? Or the, the yeah. air Jordan. This was like, it covered the founding of the Blackberry, um, a very key moment in its history in the second act. And then the, the fall of Blackberry. So it's like, it's, it's a story over essentially 10 years, but it's very, it's told very concisely in three acts uh, over two hours. I know we've talked about this movie quite a bit on the podcast and I still haven't seen it. So like my bad, but like this reminded me a little bit of everything I've heard of the um, Darren Aronofsky, Steve Jobs movie, because that movie is all about like three key points in Steve Jobs career. And I found that this movie it doesn't sound like it was intermingled quite as much as maybe that Darren Aronofsky movie was, but it was also like, was it Danny Boyle? Yeah. Uh, Darren Aronofsky doing a Steve Jobs movie would actually be fucking insane. (laughs) Yeah, actually, that'd be be ridiculous. Uh, Yeah, okay, Danny Boyle, Steve Jobs. No, uh, this movie reminded me quite a lot of everything I've heard of that, of like, you know, they start at the beginning, they have the crash, and then they have like the downfall at the end. But it's very much those three key moments with a lot of like a lot of like room to just kind of imagine what's in between. I kind of lost my train of thought here. But that's that's sort of what this reminded me of is I think that's potentially a really effective way to do this biopic that goes through a person's whole life or like a company's whole life is like the three key events essentially and i think this movie does that really well yeah i i personally i i didn't i didn't really like this i like the steve jobs movie i thought it was like really solid i think i think the problem with steve jobs is that it it's really trying to cover way too much even if even though they cut it into three parts because there's like 
they get they get very much into his because it's not a story about apple that movie is a story about steve right yeah it's very integrated but but you got to focus on like there's a relationship with his daughter in that movie his estranged daughter his relationship with apple his relationship with steve wozniak you know it's like like a lot of balancing you know i think that kind of hurt the movie a bit because it still feels very packed and it references a lot of stuff that happens like off screen right Whereas this movie, I, I think you could say it's uh, it's very focused on the BlackBerry story itself. You know, like yeah, we know we know the characters for the most part, but like I like we don't know what, what for example, Mike, one of the founders, is doing in his free time. You know, we just knows what he does at BlackBerry, and I don't think we we're not really told about his life behind BlackBerry, if that makes sense. And that's kind of the same for all the characters. Yeah, um, I assume based on the fact that he wears a ring that jim valsili is married but we never see any of his personal life at all yeah the closest we see is like an issue that he ends up having with the nhl which seems more about him than about blackberry but even then is happening with company funds so yeah yeah i think i think that works to the benefit of the movie um I think, like, obviously, I wish we could get more into that because whenever I see a biopic about, especially about a tech company, I think of uh, The Social Network, which, in, you know, in my opinion, is one of the best movies of all time. And I think that's just tough because I, I think that movie does a very good job of getting into the founding of Facebook on a very good level while also mm-hmm. being a very, very personal story about a lot of the characters and their relationships, you know. And, um, and this is true, uh, one of Justin Timberlake's best roles ever. Yeah, yeah. No, like, ev- I mean, everyone was amazing in that movie, but Justin Timberlake, especially coming off, I think The Love Guru came out like, <laughs> oh, yeah. a couple of years before that. <laughs> uh, and yeah, he like, I think he peaked with that. And then like, I, th- I thought he was going to go on to have a really, really big acting career, but he never did. So he's he's doing fine, though. He's doing yeah, okay. he's doing he's doing fine. I, I I thought he could have been like you know an Oscar an Oscar contender type of actor, but as he's, Oscar he's contenders satisfied go, he's with young. Trolls. He's young. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think this movie. I don't think I would have enjoyed too much of the personal life. So I think this movie was very lean. It was very direct, and it doesn't get too personal and too deep. But I, it was never trying to be, and I think that's what makes this movie really tick too. Because like, there's no, there was no part of this movie where I was bored. It never slows down, in my opinion. So really quick and concise. Yeah, I I watched this the first time. Like, so this is a two hour movie. I've I've seen this twice. Uh, I watched it yesterday, and like the final act starts, and I was like, oh shit, we're there already. It's it's only been what thirty minutes, and it was already like an hour and a half in at that point. But like it, this movie, it's fast paced and it doesn't feel its length even a little bit. Yeah, and I think because it's so fast paced, when some of the moments don't hit too hard, it doesn't really matter because you're just on to the next thing. Like, mm-hmm. like I think there's there's a couple moments where, like, there's a there's a lot of tension between Doug and Mike, who are, I think they were like best friends. When the company was founded, you know, yes, and yeah, as time co-founders. goes on, yeah, co-founders, and as as time goes on, you know, as with Mike as CEO and BlackBerry growing, their relationship kind of frays a bit, and um, those I don't think I never felt those emotional moments too hard because like we don't really see them being friends too much, you know, like we don't really get into their personal lives and like see their relation, but we get enough to get the point across if that makes sense. Well, and I think they end up like, I I think what's kind of interesting is Doug and Mike in this, they feel both integral to Blackberry in, in like equal measure, but not the same way. Like as co-founders, they both feel like major forces within this company, but Mike is the one who's constantly putting in long hours and trying to get like, and then, like, he's he's doing engineering all the time. He's always creating some tiny device. And Doug is the one that's, like, kind of keeping morale up. And so I think the biggest emotional moment of this movie, that 
that does really hit actually is where Doug is planning, not planning, he's trying to run a movie night, which is a thing that they've been doing since they were founded. And Mike tells, Mike basically, but not explicitly, tells him no. And he goes, oh yeah, yeah, okay. And then he resigns. And like that moment hits so hard because it's like, it's sort of like an entire, it's sort of like the entire friendly side of the company completely like, leaving just being you know removed yeah i i think it was uh, i kind of wish they got into it more but for a lot of the movie like doug is portrayed as maybe it was on purpose too but doug is basically portrayed as like like a meathead i don't want to say it, like he, he is like he never took the company seriously right you, that's what that's what it seems like but then yeah when they have that discussion later you realize because he explains that like like why do you these people are willing to work like 80 hour weeks because like they find it, like we give them these moments that they can enjoy, you know, and like we create a fun environment for them. And uh, yeah, that's something I hadn't even thought. Cause I guess the movie doesn't obviously isn't portraying them actually working 80 hour weeks or whatever. Right. But like they are, they are working hard. Right. And that's, that's why that's probably a big part of why Blackberry like grew a lot is that they probably had a very nurturing environment for innovation and, creativity you know so so like when that happened i that really the doug character really clicked where you're like okay no he did he's really smart but what he was doing had a purpose too and he wasn't mm-hmm. just some guy because it felt like he was just some guy trying to coast and rely on his friend for money which i kind of i guess that kind of was that like that at the start because the company really had no momentum going into it well um, but even like right at the start very, very early on, they're like both in this together. They're pitching the company themselves. The first scene of the movie is them doing a disastrous product pitch of what would eventually become the Blackberry. But like a little bit later, they like have this moment where they're talking to a guy we'll get to in a minute, Jim Balsillie. And um, Jim Balsillie just kind of like tears them apart in his office. They go outside and there's Doug sitting there huddle, with everyone huddling around, like talking up his friend, being like, so so there I was. Jim Balsillie's in there. He's tearing me down. I'm feeling scared. And then I look over to, I, I look over, I, you know what? I slam the phone down. I look over to Mike. Mike takes his glasses down. He says, bitch, I set the meetings. And like, none of this happened. But he's like there to like pump up his friend. Be, he's, he's like the hype man for the company, which is what his role is in this movie. Uh, I mean, if there's any flaws in this movie, I would say the only thing is we don't get we don't get much of the impression that Doug is like capable and smart to his position. But like he he clearly is, and his role in this movie is like to be the entire reason that people work there because he's like. He keeps it from being a sweatshop, as my friends yeah. would call it. Which is what it eventually turns out to be. Yeah. This is the tragedy of the movie. Um, but yeah, another aspect I liked was, uh, uh, well, you mentioned him just a bit, but like Jim, was it Jim? Jim Balsley. Jim Balsley, who, you know, he's, I guess he's like the business aspect. I like, in all, I feel like in all these movies, there's always like the tech guy. I mean, that's how a lot of these tech companies come up there's like the tech guy and there's like the the business guy and i i I actually really like their dynamic here where i think on a lot of these movies it really like with the social network i think they play up the drama of justin timberlake being like like the business guy coming in and he basically like tries to tear the company apart or he, he he ruins the relationship between mark zuckerberg and his friend i can't remember andrew garfield whoever played Whoever Andrew Garfield played, so he could get power in the company, right? Whereas this was like Jim had a very important purpose in this. Like he he wasn't some guy like that. Just at least he wasn't portrayed as some guy that just came in and ruined the relationship between Doug and Mike. You know, I mean that kind of like happens eventually, but I think that's like on Mike's part. If that makes sense, like Jim Jim was a very big part of what made BlackBerry as big as it was, even though that also was kind of led to its downfall too. 
Um, mm-hmm. But you could tell at the start, you know, like, like he was an asshole, but also like research in motion really had no direction of where it was going. And he brought a very key aspect of getting their shit together and like getting them the meanings they needed and moving up in the world. I think like potentially a lot of movies have this issue because movies are made by artists, right? And so artists revere other artists, not in, not like always exclusively, but you know, there's, there's a bit of a trend there. And so like in a lot of movies, especially biopics about stuff like this, there's, there is a tendency to like, revere the artist at the center the person who's passionate about making the product the thing that like and you know they're they're like this unsung genius uh, i mean the, the main thing i'm thinking about is mank because like it's all about the guy who wrote citizen kane it's not about orson wells it's not about anyone else it's about specifically herbert mankowitz who wrote Citizen Kane and he could do no wrong. And by the end, it's like, yeah, y'all better apologize to Herbert Mankiewicz. But like in this movie, it's like this movie could have been the Mike Lazaridis show. It could have been Mike Lazaridis is the greatest person who's ever lived. And the only reason that Blackberry doesn't exist anymore is because we all misunderstood his genius. And like, that's not what this movie is. It's like Mike, Mike Lazaridis had a really good idea, but he didn't know how to market it. And they brought in a marketing guy who's a bit of an asshole, but was as integral to the company as anyone else. And honestly, BlackBerry would not be where it was when it was there had he not come in. And like, I think it does a really good job of not vilifying the the business guy because like, you know, like you were saying in the social network, this doesn't come across as the business guy came in and tried to tank the company the business guy came in, eventually his hubris caught up to him the way it caught up, to, caught up to every other person. But like, he wasn't, he didn't come in, like, ruin everything and then take the company for all it's worth. He was a part of the problem the same way everyone else was, but also the reason the company got where it was. Yeah, and it, it never, I like how it, it's, I think him, Jim and Mike were both insanely smart people in their own rights, like obviously in very different avenues. And they both had their purpose and they both screwed up the company too, in my opinion. I think maybe Jim a little more, like like legally, but like, you know, like overall, like another thing I don't love about Steve Jobs' movie is that it really, it, it puts Steve on like a really big pedestal, I think. It's like, mm-hmm. like if you look at, the movie it's like it's like it, it's advertises like steve jobs like the visionary genius and like don't get he was extremely smart i think he was a visionary and I, i'm a big fan of him but i think to for a movie to put them on like a godly pedestal and really it's, it's like it's a business you know like it's not he's a guy essentially yeah it, it feels a little like preposterous you know he's like he's still a man he made a lot of mistakes um i think this movie despite like how smart and successful they were it never never it's never trying to tell us like 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 what you said this isn't the mike story where it's like mike is the forgotten genius of canada that no, no one remembers you know he's yeah. like no he, he was a really really smart guy who kind of screwed up and that's that's really and he has an amazing story but he's not some godly figure you know he's not and straight up what's even interesting is like it's not even really that he screwed up like in the end one of the takeaways from this movie is that in the end, like, yes, all of the, everything caught up to the people who were involved with BlackBerry, but like the thing that drove them out of business was almost completely beyond their control. Like, yeah, not entirely, but that's one of the things I really like about this movie is it's not just the story of BlackBerry. It's actually the story of like, about 15 years of, of the cell phone industry at large. I went into this movie knowing almost nothing, knowing very little about BlackBerry. And I came out of it like, oh, that's why we have modern cell phones. Yeah, no, I, I, I think the movie actually did a really good job of explaining all the tech stuff too very, very easily, you know? I mean, I guess we're, we both, we both like, did computer science so like it's a little easier for us i guess 
but I, I feel like I, I'm not personally, I'm not great at this stuff. And I, they still made it very like explainable, you know? And like, I thought the whole, uh, the way they described the, the first, the way Mike described it in the first part where he's talking about, it was, what was it like one huge computer instead of, instead of making requests to the network all the time, it would only send, it would only make a request when it needed to essentially. And it would take like half a second. Yeah, you just flip things around. You have yeah, you have the phone be the server instead of the client. Yeah, so I I thought like stuff like that was really digestible, and they never like Mm -hmm. they never like stayed on it too long too. You know, like they didn't try to over explain anything because and it's not a it's not a movie about the technology itself. It's a movie. It's a story about the company. I mean, Um, I could be wrong. I assume this is not a movie made by tech guys. But more importantly, it's not a movie made for tech guys. Like this is this is a movie made for everyone, and so mm-hmm. like I I appreciate that there's enough in there that like my my ears perked up every now and then, and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I'm interested in this, but yeah. like it was very digestible for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I, I like how it wasn't overly dramatic with like you know like there was <laughs> there was never like. I love okay. I love this scene, but I think it'd be really funny. Like when I think about how dramatic the social network is, I, it's kind of funny in comparison. Like this movie is, just, it's all business, you know. Like there is, there is like when Doug leaves. Like I'm oh, sorry, I guess that's kind of a spoiler. That's but, fine. All of this stuff happened. Uh, was, There's yeah, no spoilers okay, here. <laughs> when Doug leaves, like it's not like a huge like like we were best friends and you threw the company away. It's like oh, he just kind of. They stopped, they stopped agreeing and then he left and it wasn't like a huge, like, like moment, you know, or like, I guess what else is there? I don't know. I, I guess there's, there's not like, it's not a lot of, like at, at the end when, uh, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to say Mike betrays Jim, but it's just kind of like, he, he, he like, he's like, I made a deal with the SEC and then Jim's like, like honestly, Jim kind of like proud of him. He's like, like, that's what I would have done too, you know? Like I, th- I thought moments like that were actually kind of sweet because at, to me it was like in the end this is all, none of it was truly personal. They were all just trying to run a business, you know. I um, think like, so uh, I'm I'm gonna bring up a movie that I keep bringing up and it's not it's never gonna stop. I'm gonna keep bringing this movie up. It, this movie reminded me in some ways of Drive My Car. Uh, a movie that every movie reminds me of apparently. But what I really liked about this movie is like. You're always waiting for that big moment like, oh, this was their downfall. This is the thing that did a man. And at the end, like, it's a bunch of tiny things that weren't big deals in the moment. The stock fraud that ends up taking out the company is just sort of like a small moment earlier on when Mm. when Jim is like talking to a Google engineer. He's like, here's an illegal contract. Sign it, please. And he doesn't say it like that because in the moment, if you know nothing about stock fraud, as I don't, you don't fully understand (laughs) why that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't get it either. (laughs) It's not portrayed as a good thing, but it's like, you don't understand how illegal that is. And like at the very end, you know, or not at the very end, but like when Doug leaves, it's just a moment that happens and then he's not there anymore. There's a lot of these issues, these things that happen that, have big effects, but are like really small moments, which I really appreciate. And that's, that's what it reminds me of uh, drive my car. Cause a lot of the action in that movie occurred completely off screen and just sort of like you saw the effects later on, which isn't quite how this movie works, but I, I really, I'm really starting to appreciate like that, subtlety in movies where they almost like just don't show you the big moments if they are if they exist or if they don't exist like just treat the small moments treat the big moments with like Doug Doug leaving is a big moment but like Hmm. there's no explosive breakup it's just it's an it's a moment who with huge effects but how it plays out because all of the people in this movie except for uh, Jim Balsillie, our timid tech guys, is he leaves. He just leaves. That's it. There's not like a big explosive yeah. moment or anything. Yeah, it feels much more realistic too. <laughs> like, like obviously it's a movie. Like, but I just, I think this movie portrayed everything relatively realistically. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't trying to tell like a, an extremely dramatic story. So I appreciated the way that, cause yeah, if someone's, someone's quitting in, in a tech environment, I mean, in any environment, it's just like, there's not this huge, like, like, like I'm sorry. I, I, it's not me shitting on the social network. I just think it's funny how like they both tell a similar story, but one's insanely dramatic. Like there's no moment where like Doug comes in and he's like, like you ruined everything. And then he like trashes his office or something. And then he leaves. It's like. Yeah, you just left. Yeah, and I, I, I guess I appreciate that because it, mm-hmm. it feels more real. It feels more grounded, and hopefully, it, this m- movie is mostly like true to its, its uh, word and like what it's telling. And yeah, and I, I, I don't, I personally don't really feel like anyone did wrong either because I, I think what's cool about the movie is that everything all the characters did that led to their success, like led to their failure, but there was no real reason to stop doing it. You know, like it, it kept working. You know, like, yeah. I think one aspect I no- really noticed about Jim is that, you know, at the start, he gets fired because he was basically like, screw my boss. I'm going to do what I want because I'm, I'm me, right? Like, I think I'm smarter mm-hmm. than everyone. And he gets fired for that. But then when he starts working for BlackBerry, like, you know, it, it worked against Palm where he like basically tricked the guy into thinking that they were going to sell the company to Palm um they went behind his back and it worked against i mean it worked with blackberry sort of too when they were i mean at the start when they were pitching a prototype that they made in like like eight hours or something you know like everything he did was working and then there was no real reason for him to stop until it screwed him over i guess you know so mm-hmm. it's the same thing with mike like like mike mike the company could not have grown if mike didn't take it more seriously and kind of stop dealing with Doug's bullshit in some ways, you know, because they were all, they were like $1.6 million in debt and like they were all playing video games and stuff and like no, none of them really cared. So like Blackberry never would have grown with, if Mike didn't start hammering down on these decisions and start being like a little cruel, not cruel, but like less casual with his, his coworkers. Mm Mm-hmm. And there was no real reason for him to stop doing that because it was working, you know? So yeah, like I didn't walk out of this movie being like, this guy was a fucking asshole. Like, I mean, obviously some of them are assholes, but like they were all just doing their job. That's all you can really say. Yeah. Like maybe there's a broader point to be made about the fact that like they kept doing stuff and it just kept working. And like the reason they eventually failed is because, eventually the stuff they did stopped working. And like, I guess that's because you can't have infinite growth. You could probably make a very interesting capitalist critique out of this, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't make that. I'm just thinking like, it's interesting because like, yeah, it's, it's not over dramatized. Like this is a dramatic movie, obviously, but it's not like there's so few big moments. Like, like nothing actually blows up on this company it's just like Mm -hmm. eventually they fail because something else came along and that something else was the iphone yeah yeah that actually that scene kind of gave me chills too just i I don't know what stage research and motion was in but it's just crazy like seeing that like they had no idea according to the movie they had no idea something like this was coming and like you could feel like the energy in that room just completely like fade because like it's, it's like everyone in that room knew instantly it's like we're screwed like we don't know we're so behind and like the, the thing that i think matt johnson does really well in that scene specifically like the entirety of the five minutes leading up to that scene is like different people trying to get in touch with the ceos for different reasons but like one of the marketing guys is like trying to get in touch with Jim falsely so much like so badly. And he like, won't tell, he won't say why, but he just says it's urgent. And like the same thing is happening with the engineers. Like there's some urgent thing that everyone has to do that everyone has to do. And they don't say what it is. And it might not even necessarily be the iPhone thing, but it preps you so much for the part of the movie where they show Steve Jobs iPhone presentation and it is like actually devastating like the moment you see that you're like oh the movie's over like you might as well roll credits here I know what happens next yeah I I just think it's really cool to see it 
from because I've seen I've I, I love that presentation. I've watched it a couple times because um, it, it's like such a moment, right? But then I never thought of seeing it from like like BlackBerry's perspective, where it just think about like if you're BlackBerry, Apple wasn't even close to a competitor at the time. You know, like yeah, I thought it was really cool. I I watched it with my sister, and my sister pointed out like, why is the guy at Google using a Mac? It's because Google and Apple were not competitors at all until until Android came out and like as a massive competitor to iPhone in like 2010, I want to say, right? Mm-hmm. And like before that, I was like, I think Google and Apple were fine. So it's like crazy to think like like Apple, who literally had only made like their biggest thing was the iPod, which was just a music player, coming in and being like, okay, BlackBerry, now like not only are we going to step in as a competitor, we're going to offer a product. That is something you you hadn't even imagined possible at the time, which it's cool because it's like BlackBerry. At the start of the movie, you kind of get that same moment where Mike comes in and he offers a like literally they could only get ten phones on a network, and Mike offers a solution like that. That's like like I can get you half a million phones on a server, and it's like that moment for Verizon where we're just like they're just like how did we not think of that, you know? And then they mm-hmm. got their own moment of that against the iPhone. And yeah, I, I, I just thought that was really cool. And, and seeing how uh, Mike dealt with it made a lot of sense too. Because I think a lot of those complaints, I remember hearing people say about the iPhone <laughs> versus the BlackBerry at the time too. Like they love the keyboard. They don't want to get rid of the keyboard, right? Mm-hmm. And it made a lot of sense for his character because I think at that stage, your ego can't really handle the fact that... Because I, I think for him, it wasn't... He didn't, it's not that he didn't like the touchscreen, I think. It was just that he couldn't handle the fact that someone came up with something that he hadn't even thought of and he didn't want to copy anyone else. He didn't want to be that guy that's like, oh, they did it right. So we need to, we need to shift. It was like he wanted to be the innovator. Well, and also, like, there's another big moment. Like, this movie has a bunch of big moments right in the last act. There's another big moment that comes only a few minutes after that that makes me think, like, Apple announces the iPhone, Steve Jobs announces his iPhone, which as far as we're concerned this far in the movie is the BlackBerry, but instead of a keyboard, it has, it has the keyboard on the screen, which Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like it's that big of an innovation. Like it obviously is something, but like at that point, that's all we're seeing is like, oh, this is the BlackBerry, but it doesn't have a keyboard. It just has the screen. And it feels like at that point, at least in the context of the movie, that's what Mike's seeing too. But there's another minute, uh, there's another moment that comes a few minutes later that like shows what the real innovation is. And I think that's the major downfall at that point or in the movie is that Mike doesn't see what the actual innovation that Apple's making is. There's another moment just a few minutes later where um, Jim Balsillie is on the phone with the uh, head of AT&T and the head of AT&T says, the problem with selling minutes is that there's only one minute in a minute. And yeah. like, it's a weird quote at first because you're like, huh? Well, obviously there's only one minute in a minute. But then you understand what they're actually saying is that AT&T is no longer in the business of selling minutes. They're moving to data plans, which at the time wasn't even a thing, which is hard for us to think about now because it's so integrated into every single cell phone contract. But like, that's the big innovation is the iPhone is a very sleek design because Apple has some of the best designers in the world. But like, the real innovation wasn't that they had a cool design. It was that they were changing the way the market worked. Yeah. Which, you know, Mike doesn't even get his, doesn't even get his head around. Yeah. Well, yeah, because yeah, his, his first thing is that like, I guess like maybe he never thought of of an iPhone like device with that many uses because his his thought is that he never thought of the, the fact that uh, the, the, that business model might change, you know, because I that was mm-hmm. I guess that was a big part of Blackberry's model itself as well is that they were they were kind of changing the way people were consuming data at the time, if that makes sense, you know. And they're really consumer friendly as well, because early on we see them doing all these data innovations, which like they, there's a moment early on where uh, Jim Balsillie says, 
and like he he's summarizing something the tech team has just told him and he's like unlimited texting only on blackberry and like that's a selling point right unlimited texting isn't even a thing that like unlimited texting or unlimited data is still a selling point and it's just not something people offer but at the time it's like oh we can be the consumer friendly phone because we offer this one service and you don't have to pay for it yeah so he yeah. wouldn't have even like the idea to just take the things they've been doing and monetize that and, uh, was yeah. like not something he could never think about, but it's clearly not something that was his priority. Right. Cause they're a very consumer friendly company, at least as this movie is portraying. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that was probably the biggest hit too, is just that like Mike realized all, a lot of his innovations just became almost worthless at that point because it's like shrinking the amount of data used is almost a bad thing with that business model, you know? Yeah. So he, he like, that's, I, I feel like, I mean, I guess we never really see his reaction to that, that, that notion, because that's when the SEC comes in. <laughs> so he's, he's dealing with something else at the time. Cause yeah, like, I, I think a lot, like a lot of people just assume the iPhone was just, a, I mean, I, I think it is a better like consumer's device anyways, but it also, revolutionize the industry in a lot of ways and i think it solidifies that like the ending when he he takes out this is such a sad ending when he takes out that blackberry storm for the first time and he's just like i mean because i i feel like a lot of a lot of people wouldn't think the iphone is the most amazing like i think i feel like a lot of people be like oh any company can make a touchscreen device you know and yeah. I remember the problem with the BlackBerry Storm was that it was like really laggy and stuff. And like the the interface was just not as intuitive as the iPhone. And that last scene where he, you know, they basically, he, he threw away one of his prime instincts was that he wanted to keep manufacturing away from China because he knew that it wasn't good for the product. And he, he threw that notion all away because he wanted to keep up with the iPhone, you know, and um, that scene where he's like, playing with it and it's like barely working was that was tough that was tough to see and then the fade away with like those hundreds of boxes <laughs> containing like thousands of not millions of blackberry storms that all are probably pretty defective was like that was crushing i don't know well yeah because like he hears a buzz in each of them so he starts going through them and like fixing the buzz and like when that zoom out happens, it's like, oh, is he going to do this for all several million of them? Because he's not going to have the time. It's not. It's not going to happen. His his business is over. It's a very sad. Scene. Yeah, that that buzzing thing was a very smart. Um, I guess it's. I would almost say it called like an exposition device, where it's like you kind of get the essence of his character, you know, and like mm -hmm. and the product really quickly and. Um, like, so, like, that scene is without dialogue, but, you know, instantly, just from that buzz, like, like, it's over. Yeah. I guess I do want to say, like, a little more, like, what did you think of the performances? And we've talked quite a bit about Jay Baruchel. We can come back to him, but I want to think, well, I want to ask, like, what did you think of Glenn Howerton as Jim Balsillie? Because we've mentioned him a lot, but we haven't talked really much about his performance. I thought he was amazing. I haven't seen him in much since... I don't think actually anything outside of Always Sunny. Maybe Fargo. I saw him in Fargo once. He was actually pretty good in that. Uh, the show, not, was he not in the movie. Fargo? He was in Fargo season one. He was like, I think he was a trainer. Oh. Yeah, he was actually pretty funny in that role. But other than that, no, I haven't. And uh, he, I, I thought he played it extremely well. I, I think he was the highlight for me by far. Um, a little bit of Dennis in there, but. I don't know. What are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the same thing. I thought he was incredible in this. I loved his performance. I think he's a shoe-in for the CSAs, uh, as far as awards go. But like the only like trepidation I guess I have is I thought that his performance as Jim Balsillie was did remind me a lot of his performance as Dennis Reynolds in uh It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And so like that's not a bad thing because I like both of those characters, but I just have to wonder, like, I'm, I'm, I'm more like not sure in myself, did I like his performance because I thought he was great in the performance or did I like his performance because I like Dennis Reynolds? And I think it's like, I mean, 
I think we were talking about this a little earlier. You said it's like a bit of both, but um, at the same time, like I think the main reason that even comes up for me is because Jay Baruchel in this movie is unlike any role I've ever seen him in. And he's incredible. Glenn Howerton in this movie is also incredible, but he's quite <laughs> similar to the other, to the only other role I know him from. Yeah. Well, I think it's unfortunate because I, I, from what I can tell, I think he's an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, yeah, there's a lot of, cause I, I, I mean, he was probably, he was probably hired for the role or cast in the role because Dennis Reynolds, honestly, the characters feel very similar. There's that line where he, he's yelling, he's yelling at the NHL board or something. And he's like, the vampires feast in Waterloo. Or like that. And it's just like the weirdest line that, and it, Definitely feels like something Dennis would say if he was like freaking out about something. <laughs> and, but apparently, that's actually something Jim Balsillies actually said in an interview when he was like freaking out about something. Like that's like a quote from him, and it makes no what? sense. I don't know what it means, but that's like such a Dennis line and like a Dennis. Scene. <laughs> like it's like how could you not cast him? It's like he's perfect for that. Like it just yeah, it, I'm, it reminds I'm me from of Waterloo, a where the vampires hang out is a real thing. <laughs> yeah, like what does that mean? What? <laughs> Who talks about Waterloo like that? Like, it's such a I've I've never I feel like I've never heard of anyone describe any part of Canada as, as something like that ghetto. I don't know, but it was it's a cool line. I love it. And um, it's yeah. nice to see someone that he felt very Canadian. But like he wasn't like the 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 stereotypical like oh the nice Canadian and I feel like you see in these movies like he wasn't he was he was a, what I feel like an actual Canadian where he's like he's like kind of a prick he loves hockey to death but like he also hates <laughs> and then, actually that's that's really all there is to his character <laughs> he actually he gets he gets so many cool character moments like very early on. Or not that early on. It's at the beginning of the second act where um, he's talking to Carrie Elwes's character, Carl Yankowski, and he asks him what he thinks of hockey. And Carl's like, oh, I hate it. It's a silly sport. He goes, yeah, I hate it. Yeah. And it's like, ah, you know exactly what's going on now. Yeah. I feel like that's the most Canadian thing you could say about hockey. <laughs> Honestly, though, that's like... That actually might be my favorite scene with Glenn Howerton in it is that that first meeting with Carl Yankowski because he gets that moment with uh, where he like says I hate hockey which is like such a cl- it's, it's such a clear lie that it sets the entire tone for the second act and then there's also that moment where like Jay Baruchel Mike asks Carl like well if we did a merger like would I still be the chief engineer and he goes no and then he starts like freaking out he like starts trying to negotiate and and Jim Balsillie just like crumples a piece of paper and Jay Baruchel's character immediately goes quiet. That's such a yeah. good scene. I love yeah. that so much. Yeah, because that was like the signal they set up. Like, I guess in that scene, it was like five years earlier. Yeah. And I love, I love that dynamic too. I think like obviously they weren't like friends or anything, but you could tell there was a very profound respect each other you know it felt like they truly were co-running the company where they both recognize each other's values and they both listen to each other and like they never really lied to each other yeah they were probably like the best possible partners to be co-ceos yeah yeah because they weren't friends i i they were i think it's a if you're co-ceos with someone you really don't want to be friends with them but you want to have because... that good working relationship like you don't want to hate yeah. the guy you just don't want to like this person is not your friend. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I thought that worked perfectly. That that one scene where um, I thought it was kind of cool because at, at the start, Jim has a moment where he's looking at the nerdy guy. Who's, the boss is like, this guy, I want this guy to give the presentation. He's like, like uh, they made him look very nerdy. And Jim is just like, why the, why the hell would he present? Like, he looks like he's like 12 or something. And then, and then he like, that's how he gets fired is that he doesn't recognize the value of that guy. Right. But then you see that mm-hmm. there's that moment where they're in the meeting and Mike is describing 
what makes BlackBerry because like he he goes into that meeting and he really knows nothing about phones. Like Verizon catches him completely off guard when they're like, "We've been working on this for years. Like emails on phones don't work," and he's just like caught with his pants down. You know, he he literally doesn't know what to say. And then Mike saves him by coming in and ex- explaining the actual innovation of of BlackBerry. And there's a moment where he's like looking at Mike and. It's it's very one of very few moments where he looks kind of at peace and like kind of in awe where he's like he's like wow this this man like is 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 actually very valuable you know and it's I yeah. shouldn't uh, I shouldn't just ignore someone just because I think they're nerdy or whatever mm-hmm. and that I think that that actually does have a change in his his relation to Mike if that makes sense he doesn't we don't really see him treat Mike like shit. For the rest mm-hmm. of the movie, they treat each other with respect. Other than, I guess, there's that one point where the servers are crashing and he's like, there's that scene where he's at the phone booth and he breaks the phone. That was really cool. I love that. Actually, what I liked most about that scene was the way that it's shot. Like, the the camera angle makes it look like not... Okay, so I'm going to get into this, but like, they've been hyping up this movie in Cineplex a lot. So they've been showing like a lot of previews for it. And one thing that they, in, in the shot that they show, or in the preview they show for it, they have a uh, interview with Matt Johnson where he's saying, I was inspired a lot by the visual grammar of documentaries. And like, I think that that really shows in this movie is like, this movie does not look like a documentary, but it looks really close in a lot of scenes. Specifically, that phone booth scene that you're talking about is kind of where that comes out really well because the the camera's like close and sort of extremely dynamic, almost to the point of like over energetic, but not in the same way as a typical biopic or like, I don't know, something like the trial of the Chicago 7 or something. It's like almost more in a way of like The Office where... Mm. It makes it feel a little bit like we're there watching the events unfold, but more so it just sort of like the more dynamic, more fast paced camera movement style, cinematography style is like really sort of emphasizes the themes of this, uh, of this movie, which is all about like an extremely fast moving industry. Cause like this, the movie starts in 1996 and the industry and the industry starts in 1996 and then Blackberry is dead 10 years, barely 10 years later. And so it's like very fast paced. Um, and I think that the the cinematography really like helps to emphasize that. And I guess I'm piggybacking off of that phone booth scene, but that phone booth scene is where you like really see that style sort of come through, even though that is a weirdly a much slower scene than a lot of the like, I mean, even early on when he's walking through the office, there's so many, the, the, the way the camera is like set up and zooming in and out is already way more energetic than actually that, that single phone boot scene, which is weird. Yeah, the cinematography reminded me a lot of the big short. Very, uh, I guess, yeah, like, like you said, the office, it's, it's a documentarian style, very active, very, um, very raw and it never felt uh, disorienting to me, which I, which I really like too. I think there mm-hmm. was, I remember the big short, I think there was a couple, a couple of moments, I think where it just got a little, like a little much. This one never felt too bad. I think because it was so quick paced, there's very few slow scenes that it, it works out very, it works very well for the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I, it's a really I want to movie. talk more about this movie, but like I, I think we've I think we've covered it. Like I think we're I think we've talked about it a lot. I mean, yeah. straight up. So like after seeing this movie, my dream, and I don't know any contact information, so I'm really just hoping he'll listen to our podcast. My dream is to get <laughs> Matt Johnson on this show. Like I really want to talk to him about yeah, Blackberry, that'd be cool, or even about anything else. Like so, if anyone has a has a way they can get me in touch with Matt Johnson, please do. Please, yeah. please reach out. We're on Twitter. We got an email address. I'm not, uh, actually, you know what? Why don't I? Why don't I say our email address? Like that's kind of that's that's kind of public. Like we're ubcomoviemaniacs yeah, at gmail.com. Like you can you can reach out to us whenever you want. Anytime. You want to be on our show? We don't know you, but like, why not? <laughs> sure, let's out. do it. Yeah, we're always looking for more guests. I love this movie. 
I like I said, this is I think I said this on air. I might have not said it on air. This is the first movie in a bit that I've seen twice before sh- before recording the episode. I know, especially during COVID, I really liked to try and do that, but that was a lot easier because the movies were, I didn't have to go to the theater for them. But now it's a little bit harder and this was still worth it. I went out and saw it twice. I probably will not go to the theater to see it again a third time, but the moment it comes out on DVD or on video on demand, I'm probably going to see it again. It's that good. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to watch it again. You know, it's a very chill, surprisingly about you know even though it's about like the death of a company <laughs> and the birth of a company you know so mm-hmm. um it's like very it's, it's a very relaxing engaging watch if that makes sense like yeah I, it's not a heavily emotional it doesn't really play good versus bad that much it's about it's just about things happening i i did one last thing i want to say is i love the like when they kind of see the catch up to where they are now like it wasn't a hugely dramatic one either like there was no like, like now this guy is like, is like, like this genius is like, I feel like Eric kind of did that where like, it really played up their historical roles in the future, you know, whereas uh, this movie was just like, this guy's rich now. This guy didn't go to jail. <laughs> like, and, and I think I can't remember what Mike's doing now. I think he's just they just said he invests in things, right? Or he left Blackberry um, in 2012. And he like, I think he just He's just a business guy now. He like he's a philanthropist. Yeah, I don't um, I don't know specifically what he's doing, but he left in 2012. Is I remember yeah. is what I specifically remember. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 a really solid movie, and I'm 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 ha- I'm proud to be Canadian today, is what I can say, <laughs> which is a something I say very often. Not that I'm not proud to be Canadian. I just, I never really think about being Canadian, if I'm going to be honest. But this made me proud to be Canadian. On this blessed day, we are all Canadian. I guess, like, I don't usually say this, because, like, I feel like it's generally, like, you you can pretty much infer it from our episodes whether we think you should go and see a movie or not. But, like, I definitely would say just because I don't know where most of our audience is, but like I don't know if all of our audiences is in Canada and like anyone who's not in Canada, especially, I mean, anyone who's in Canada too, please go and see this movie. I really want this movie to do not just to do well, but to like be seen by people because I think it is one of the best movies. It's one of the best biopics I've seen maybe ever. And like, it makes me really sad to think that this movie could come out in Canada and that's it. Like comes out Mm. in Canada, does okay and never gets seen by the rest of the world. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but the idea that that's a possibility makes me very sad. So if this movie is playing anywhere near you, no matter where you are, please go and see it. It's so good. Yeah. It would really suck if, uh, you know, I, I think there's been three, three pretty, we've talked about, did we talk about Tetris? I don't think so. Right. But there was, we didn't, but it's also very good. There was Tetris, Air, all very recently on, like the past two months, Tetris, Air, and this movie came out. I think, I actually, I didn't love Tetris. I thought it was all right. I thought Air was really, really good. I think this, mm-hmm. I think this does outdo Air though. And I, I'm really proud of that because I think Air had a lot going for it. You know, we have, you got some um, massive stars in that movie. It's an Amazon Prime production. So there's a lot of money behind it. I'm really happy that, this despite being a relatively smaller movie and maybe a little riskier that this this is definitely the best out of those three biopics so far yeah and i'm really proud of that too so yeah so what would you give this one out of 10 if you had to uh i think like an 8.5 8 or 8.5 8 i'll say 8 i'll say 8 i'm gonna i'm trying to stick to to even denominators right now so I may be too generous with my ratings sometimes, but I think I've considered this a lot. Whoa. Whoa. This, is be, this, this is gonna be a perfect 10. I'm giving this one really? a perfect 10. Oh my god. It's a amazing. perfect 10 movie. Matt Johnson, yeah. come on our show. Your movie's a perfect 10. <laughs> That's not why he said it's a 10, just to be clear. No, like he this is I 
I watched it. I loved it. And I was like, is this, is this a 10 out of 10? And I was like, I'll give it a nine out of 10 just to be sure. I watched it again. And I was like, no, it's a 10 out of 10. It's, it's a perfect 10. 10. Yeah. Perfect. Well, yeah, perfect I got, movie. I got to, I got to get like, there's nothing other than like maybe giving Doug a slightly more like one moment, like one more moment. I think this movie is like, there's nothing I could really say I'd want changed. It's really, really good. So I, I respect that ten. The only thing I could like see for Doug, I think Doug was very, very well utilized in this movie. The only thing I could maybe see as something I would have liked to see from Doug is like, I mean, a lot of people, you, you hear it a lot as like, criticism or praise of the spider-man movies like we got to see peter being smart and like i think that's the same with doug we see why doug is important to the company it would be nice to give him one moment where he like solves an engineering problem because i'm sure he did that in real life at some point because he seems like he's an incredibly smart guy yeah and like that's yeah, the only yeah. thing I could maybe be missing is like yeah. it might be nice to show give him give Doug a moment where he doesn't like where he's not just an extremely nice meathead. Yeah. Even though that was yeah. his role in the movie and he did that really well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good so I respect yeah. that ten. That's a good ten. I'm gonna I'm gonna try I'm gonna try and be sparing. I don't wanna give out too many tens, but I think uh I think on this blessed day, I'm I'm okay all, giving a Canadian movie. We're a 10. all tens on a, on this blessed day. Um, so, uh, cool. Pierre, what's our last word? Blackberry is one word. Wow, wow, good word. Subtle. 